0: This is BYU Sports Nation, brought to you by The BYU Store, simulcast on BYU TV and BYU Radio. Now, from Studio B, your hosts, Spencer Linton and Jason Shepard.
1: BYU Sports Nation is live, your day to day play by play in Studio B, presented by The BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. It is Wednesday, September 15th, wherever. And however you're connected, great to have you with us. I am Spencer Linton, teamed up with Disneyland ride expert, Jason Shepard.
2: We are a Disneyland family. We we have not been for a while. Obviously, the pandemic playing a major role in that. But uh, any opportunity we have as a family to go to Disneyland. We used to have season passes when we had two kids. Now that we have four, they've priced us out. But oh, man. we get there as often as we can. And apparently... Uh, there are some families traveling that may have uh, part of uh, part of the group BYU fans and part of the group Utah fans. You found this.
1: Uh, yes. My friend Chris Passy sent me a fantastic picture yesterday and said, Look, according to this ride, the streak is over. The hatchet has been buried. We are all friends now. A picture of a BYU fan and a Utah fan. These are adult men <laughs> riding together on Dumbo. Okay, so, so here, what do you think is happening here?
2: Are these two friends that went to Disneyland, or do you think it's two dads? Absolutely. Who were the only, they were the only two left and had to, had to share a Dumbo cart themselves. Yes, no, so this,
1: this is what happened. Okay. I'm guessing, and maybe they'll correct me if I'm wrong. They get into the ride, yeah. and then their kids are like, hey, we want to ride together. Yeah, and I want to like, go with so and so, and I want to go with so and so. All right, uh, I guess uh, we'll just get in this. Like, oh, this is Dumbo awkward. car back here. What do you even call it? A Dumbo gondola? I don't know what it is. Like, what you
2: would call it? You you get in Dumbo. Yeah. You yes. Get- yes. You,
1: you get in the Dumbo car. Yes. It's not a car. You get into the Dumbo carcass. The plane. <laughs> Shout out can you, and listen. You call it that? I, I meant it when I tweeted it out yesterday. Respect to both of these men for the full send and burying the hatchet in the rivalry. By the way, are you a Dumbo Ride fan? I think the line is way too long for what you get. Yes, agreed.
2: It is way too long. You're the ride expert, right? Yeah, no, it is way too long for the actual ride itself. Um, And when you get on it, though, because you either, you know, they've got the the little joystick so you can go all the way up. Yes. You go all the way up.
1: Yeah. You have to, right? Of course. You have to. You don't experience the ride if you don't. Amen, brother. That's what I'm saying. Jason Shepard, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Would you be willing to ride a ride at Disneyland with a Utah fan? Don't answer it yet. Ooh. We will address that later. I like it. Also on your Wednesday show lineup, it features some time for another Super Bowl champ. It's the week of Super Bowl champions. Steve Young and now former BYU legend Dennis Pitta. Yes, we have time For Dennis Pitta, his number one reason BYU snapped the streak against Utah. And are the Titans involved enough in the BYU offense? Has BYU already played and won their toughest game of the season? If so, or if not, what's the toughest game remaining? Plus, deep blue with BYU safety Chaz Ayu. What a journey he's had over the last year. And Jimmer is playing professionally where? Mm -hmm. Bring on today's BYU Sports Nation Headlines. 23rd ranked BYU football continues
2: preparations for number 19 Arizona State on Saturday night. This will be the first meeting between the Cougars and Sun Devils since BYU upset ASU in Provo back in 1998. Head coach Kalani Satake, who just happened to be on that team, yep. says that Arizona State has BYU's full attention.
0: It's going to be a, a, you know, a tough matchup, but we're looking forward to it. I think it's, this could bring out the best in our in our team and in our players, and I know they have our attention when we're looking at the film, because it's really good film, the things that they're doing, uh, that they did against Southern Utah, and the things that they did against UNLV, really impressive.
2: Countdown to kickoff begins Saturday night, 9 Eastern time on BYU TV and the app. Radio pregame starts at 8 Eastern, kickoff set for ten
1: fifteen Eastern time on ESPN. The Indianapolis Colts announced they have waived former BYU defensive back, Chris Wilcox. Chris was drafted in the seventh round by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and then was claimed by the Colts off waivers as of September 1st. We hope he finds a new NFL home very soon. Maybe he gets picked up by the practice squad on the Colts if he clears waivers. BYU women's soccer jumping
2: up from number 22 to number 18 in the coaches' top 25 rankings after a 7-4 victory over the Missouri Tigers. Up next is a matchup with Idaho State tomorrow night, 9 Eastern, on the BYU TV app.
1: Will the Cougars score seven goals again? Because that's apparently what they do at the home. The last two home games, seven goals. BYU women's golf wins the Dick McGuire Invitational in New Mexico. The Cougars combine to shoot eight under in the final round. It's getting it done when the pressure's on. Sophomore Leela Naliai shot a 10 under par for the tournament to finish in a tie for first, but came up just short in the first playoff hole. Her first place tie after the regulation period marks Naliyai's best finish as a Cougar, and she had a hole-in-one earlier this week. One James
2: Taft for debt, reportedly re-signing with the Shanghai Sharks for a fifth season. Jimmer averaged nearly 37 points per game with the Sharks from 2016 through 2019. And it's good we still have the, uh, the Shanghai Sharks yes, jersey the Sharks on the set. Yes, the Sharks
1: jersey is still relevant it's still in relevant. It's
2: still there. Also, Jasheer Hardnett will be starting his professional basketball career in Croatia. After transferring from
1: BYU, Hardnett played his senior season at UMKC. In his latest basketball bracketology released this morning, ESPN's Joe Lunardi has BYU as a projected 12 seed and the last team to receive a bye. Lunardi has three WCC teams in his bracket. The Zags, not surprisingly, a number one seed. St. Mary's is a 10 seed. Interesting. Former Cougar center fielder
2: Brennan Lund goes one for four with an RBI and a Salt Lake Bees 11-7 loss
1: to the Oklahoma City Dodgers. All rise and shout, it's time for What's Trending.
0: You're talking about it, and so are we. It's What's Trending on BYU Sports Nation.
1: What's Trending presented by Bodyguards, protection for a life worth living. Learn more at Bodyguards.com. BYU streak busters. They knock off Utah 26-17, and how about this little fun fact? The last time BYU beat Utah, they scored 26 points, and then they snapped the streak. By scoring how many points on uh, last Saturday night, Jason? 26 points. That all makes sense. Okay. So if BYU victorious over Utah, we looked at that game uh, preseason and thought, oh, man, that's probably the toughest game on the schedule. But now in retrospect, Jason, has BYU played and won their toughest game on the schedule?
2: Uh, I did not think it was the toughest game on the schedule. I thought USC was the toughest game on the schedule. Hmm. Here's how I would answer that. We don't know. You're not going to know after two weeks if you've played the toughest game on your schedule. You can look when the season starts and anticipate what you think may be BYU's toughest game or the easiest game. But you don't truly know until you look at the season as a whole because every game is going to take on a life of its own. By the time you get to a game, you may have circumstances that you cannot foresee. So I, I just don't know if we can say that BYU's played its toughest game yet because, number one, I didn't think Utah was going to be the toughest team on, on BYU's schedule. Okay. Now, when we get to the end, we may look back how all of these teams fared throughout the year and say, yeah, it was. But I just don't think that we can do that now without knowing how the rest of the season plays out and how these
1: teams look. How do you define tough when it comes to opponents? Because, excuse me, Utah, like with Utah, BYU is playing more than just the Utes. BYU is playing history. Yeah, In fact, 12 years of history of having not beaten their arch nemesis and longtime rivals. There are demons there. Whether you want to admit it or not as a BYU fan— or player, or coach, or staff member, there were demons there. You're playing the streak, you're playing history, you're playing demons. Everybody's thinking during the game at some point, when's BYU going to turn the ball over? When's the pick six going to happen? When's the scoop and score off of a fumble going to happen for Utah, right? Am, am I, is that fair? Is that fair? Well, yes, that's what That's what the last nine games have all been that's like. That's the last decade plus, right? You're just waiting for some terrible thing to happen so that factors into it for me in terms of toughest game like it's not just toughest opponent or best team on byu schedule the toughest game because of all of those mitigating factors for me clearly was utah the monkey the proverbial monkey on the back was ripped off and thrown to the ground but it took just an unbelievable effort jason so for me Yes, BYU has already played the toughest game on the schedule, but it's way bigger than the actual game. It just The mental aspect of that cannot be understated, in my opinion. Congratulations to the Cougars. I think they've won their toughest game on the schedule. That's not to say they don't have some incredibly talented opponents remaining. Yes. But with the streak, the history... Man, that that was a big one to get out of the way. Okay, so let's
2: let's push this conversation forward then. So let's look at the remaining schedule. So, based off of what BYU still has left to play, and obviously things start this week with Arizona State, uh, a, a ranked opponent coming into Provo. What are the five toughest games, in your opinion, left on BYU schedule?
1: For me, I always look at, okay, what are the remaining road games? BYU's won 11 home games in a row after beating Utah, which, again, should not be overlooked. You win 11 in a row at home, fifth-best home win streak in program history. That's really good. The number one streak is 18 home games and wins in a row from 2006 to 2008. So for me, I look at the road because, understandably, you go into a volatile environment, it's just going to be tougher. And with how things are shaping out, that October 16th date – At Baylor, when BYU visits Jeff Grimes and a program that's trying to rediscover itself and get back into the top 25, if Baylor continues to win and is rolling, then that stadium's going to be rocking, and BYU will – this is the first real big road trip. I know BYU goes to Logan, but the majority of the guys on the team right now, they've gone to Logan. In fact, Jaron started the last game in Logan – And BYU walked away with a monumental victory. It was a blowout against Jordan Love and the Aggies. So this road trip to Baylor, I feel, is BYU's first real huge road test. That's number one. At USC. Now, at USC was number one before that until they fired their coach. I don't know what they're going to be at the end of the season, Jason, with an interim coach. BYU's not a Pac-12 member. Maybe there's a, eh, well, it's not a Pac-12 game. and. It doesn't really matter. Maybe the urgency isn't there for USC. Still good team, loaded with four- and five-star talent. That's number two. Arizona State at home is number three. And I know that you probably disagree with me there. Maybe it's just like the timeliness of it all, followed by Virginia, the emotions of Bronco Mendenhall coming back. I think they're a better football team than we anticipated they would be. I
2: agree. I 100% agree.
1: And Boise State, led by Hank Bachmeyer, who apparently if he was the quarterback last year, the Broncos would have beaten Zach Wilson and BYU. They're the fifth toughest game remaining on the schedule. How does your top five shake out?
2: Yeah, so we agree on two, and it's the bottom two. My, my t- next top three are, are different from yours, and I'm going to start with Arizona State.
1: Are you a guy that's like, the next game's the no, toughest game? No, 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 and game. it's
2: not because it's the next game. It's the only matchup right now okay. that BYU has a top 25 team to face. Nobody else of all these games right now is ranked in the top 25. Arizona State is. Now, you can make you can say whatever you want in terms of who they've played and, and, and regardless, but the fact that they are a ranked team, that they are also 2-0, I do like the fact that it is in Provo, but when you talk about the circumstances surrounding this game, you're coming off an unbelievable emotional win. I, I think this next one is huge for BYU to get. So that you don't have the... Well, we, we, we spent everything last week. We just didn't have anything left. I, I think Arizona State is the next toughest because of everything that went into last week. Making sure you can stay up for Arizona State, which comes in as a ranked okay, team.
1: So not so much the toughest opponent, but mitigating factors are also Circ- impacting but how all, you feel but about this. But
2: they also have a lot of really talented players on their team. Speed galore and a dynamic quarterback that can run. So and? Arizona State for me, I under, USC I have number two. I understand everything going on with the coach, but I know what's on that roster, and there's plenty of time for them to get that thing back on track. So I have USC two at Baylor as my, my third most difficult game
1: remaining, and then Virginia and then Boise State. Can we just rewind like seven years? Because Arizona State's the same team every year to me. Super athletic, very talented at the skill positions, speed all over the field and traditional underachievers. Well,
2: let's hope that's the case this year.
1: 2015. At least next week. week. I mean, 6 and 7. Next year, 5 and 7. 2017, 7 and 6. 7 and 6. 8 and 5. They played four games last year, two and two. This team has tons of talent, but traditionally underachieve. Is that factoring into how I feel about them? Absolutely. Plus they've got some weird stuff going on with the coaching staff. So what do they bring? Like, are are they really unified? Are they disciplined? It's going to be interesting. Okay. We move on to our question of the day. What do you think? What is the toughest game remaining on BYU's football schedule?
0: This is the Voice of the Nation on BYU Sports Nation. All right. Let's hear
1: from you. At Toasted 4 answers on Twitter. That's a great handle. That's a great one. Arizona State, third Power 5 in a row and coming off a very emotional win, BYU is. Hard for any team to not have an emotional letdown. BYU is going to have to play an extremely good game against a very mobile quarterback, which they didn't really see in the first two games. Hashtag BYUSN.
2: Yeah, he brings a skill set that uh, the BYU has not faced,
1: at least as an opponent. Can they they keep get to face Jaron Hall in
2: practice every yes. day. Who's very much he, like... He's
1: exactly that. Yes. So like, can they keep him in the pocket, having to face Jaron Hall and maybe having some experience against that? All right, coming up, would you take a 12 seed right now for BYU basketball? And BYU great, Dennis Pitta. We've got time for him on what has to change in the BYU offense for the Cougars to go next
0: level and score some major points. This is BYU Sports Nation. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Bodyguards, protection for a life worth living, BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Watch BYU
2: football with Kalani Satake on demand on the BYU TV app. Voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel, joined by head coach Kalani Satake and player guest D'Angelo Mandel as they look back at the Utah win and look ahead Arizona State. Download the BYU TV app and watch On Demand.
1: We are live in Studio B with your day-to-day BYU sports play-by-play. I am Spencer Linton. To my left sits Jason Shepard, and because Jerem Jordan is not in Studio B today, you know who we absolutely have time for? A guy who's undefeated when he runs out the flag for BYU football. Dennis Pitta joins us over Zoom. Dennis, the undefeated man. Jerem's not here. Life is good, right?
3: Life is great. Yeah, I uh, listen. I was on a camping trip all weekend. I had no service. You guys are gonna have to catch me up. Was there anything that went on? <laughs> no, this it was
2: nope. Did I miss anything? Nothing happened. Okay. It was a completely dull weekend.
3: I'm just glad you good, finished because I had no service. Trip. I was worried. Yeah, camping trip was great. <laughs> had some good family time. So enjoyed you, the weekend.
1: Were you camping in Provo Canyon? Because I swear I saw you run out the flag on Saturday night. <laughs>
3: I did. I did. I did run out the flag. So I was joking about the camping trip. I hope <laughs> that's clear at this point. Um, I ran out the flag. Listen, I'm undefeated. Like you mentioned, I have not, well, I have, the BYU has not lost the game when I have run out the flag. I think the only other time I've done it was in Tucson two years ago, the, the season opener against Arizona and we won. So I'm two for two. You need me out there more often.
2: Seriously. Are you coming up this weekend?
3: Uh, can't this, I can't this weekend, the boys are on their own this weekend. I, I can't bring, um, my good karma up there, but listen, actually running the flag out was, was awesome. Cause I got to bring my son on the field with us and we ran out together and, uh, you know, for an eight year old boy, he's, he's my oldest child and, uh, you know, just getting into football and kind of understanding what I used to do and, and all that. And, and it was a blast for him. Um, the only concern I think he had was right before we were about to run the flag out. He looked up at me, said, Hey, um, they're not bringing those jets back. Are they?
1: <laughs> yeah. 15's said, with no, their no, afterburners.
3: Yeah. Those, that was about the scariest thing I think I've ever been through was those <laughs> jets coming overhead about 10 feet above your head, blowing your eardrums out. But uh, other than that, it was a, it was an awesome game. I mean, electric atmosphere. I, I don't remember the stadium being like that ever. And it was so much fun.
1: Well, that's saying something because you played in front of some very excited crowds. You won a lot of games at home, but I'm with you. And even Tom Holmo said, you may have to rewind to 1990 for the Miami game to get that type of atmosphere, just with how much positive juice was in the stadium. And there was so much good that had happened. The big 12 invitation the day before BYU's coming off a win over Arizona. It's Utah. You're trying to snap the streak. You mentioned the Jets flying overhead. 20 years to the day of 9-11 honoring all those heroes. I don't know why I didn't think that uh, BYU didn't have even a better shot at winning this game because it felt like Utah was going into an angry hive of fans. Uh, Going into the game, how did you feel that BYU was going to do against Utah?
3: Well, given the track record over the last decade or so um, you're always concerned about this game. (laughs) Uh, We haven't performed at our best, even when we had good teams and felt like we had chances to win for whatever reason, we would have a letdown and and we would not play our best through stretches and and allow Utah to squeak by again. And so you're always worried about that. You never know, you know, how the game shakes out. Even if on paper, it looks in your favor, you know, the the ball still has to bounce your way. And unfortunately we got, you know, some of those breaks in this game, but, but in the end we were just a better team. And I think that was very clear when all was said and done in this game, we dominated them in the trenches. There's been a lot of mention of that um, from both sides. Obviously coach Whittingham has just been beside himself that BYU beat them down up and down the field in the trenches and um, not something we would have anticipated going into this game, but certainly, certainly the result, but, Listen, you're always uneasy about Utah, but to finally get that monkey off our back to get a win, I mean, it it feels amazing. And we also got part of running the flags that we got to go in the locker room before the game, which I have never done since being a player. I have never been in the locker room prior to a game. I've been in there after, after big wins and stuff like that. But I went into the locker room before the game. And it was almost like a uh, dance club dance party scene. And, I mean, the music was rocking. Everybody was loose and relaxed. And, and Austin Colley and I looked at each other and we said, this was not our experience at BYU. <laughs> this is not what the locker room seemed like when we were here. I mean, it was quiet. There was no music blasting. Um, everybody was kind of trying to focus and, and 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 keep to themselves a little bit. And we went in there and like, I think these dudes are ready. I think they're, uh, they're having fun. They're relaxed. This is not too big of a moment for them. And so coming out of that locker room pregame, we felt like this team's ready to rock, and uh, that was certainly the case.
2: Dennis, there were a lot of things to like about that game, certainly. I want to focus on the quarterback. Uh, Jaron Hall looked to be in complete control of the offense, and it showed multiple times throughout that game. What did you make of Jaron's play overall?
3: Well, it's, it's hard to not like what Jaron's doing out there. I mean, he's not throwing the ball all over the field and, and throwing for 1,000 yards a game, but he's doing exactly what he needs to do, and he's protecting the football, which in my opinion is the most important thing any quarterback can do. You kill yourselves when you turn the football over, and this team has not fumbled. This team has not thrown interceptions. This team is protecting the football and playing smart. And that, in my opinion, goes a long way, especially against Utah. When the turnover margin has been so lopsided in this series and a large reason why we have not had a lot of success over the last decade against these guys, because we haven't protected the football. He has come into this season and made a conscious effort to be smart, to not take risks that are unnecessary to protect the football and just make the right play. And he's absolutely doing that. And then you couple that with his ability to run and to convert, you know, big third downs and fourth downs, which is huge for any team. Uh, I love what he's doing.
1: Hey, fun fact, Dennis, the last time BYU had zero turnovers in a BYU Utah rivalry game, 2009 when you were playing and you last beat Utah, of course, before the streak was busted this previous weekend. So, you're right. The turnover battle in that game, especially, cannot be emphasized enough.
3: Turnover margin is absolutely one of the most important stats in football. And, you know, throughout my career with the Ravens, the one thing that Coach Harbaugh would always stress to us is turnover margin. And we'd look at the statistics. We'd look at, okay, if you have a turnover, here's your probability, your win chance now. And it, it just continues to go down with every turnover. I mean, turnover margin is absolutely essential. And, and, and you see that last time we won, we didn't turn the ball over. I mean, it's, it's critical component of the game that is oftentimes overlooked in my opinion.
2: Let's talk tight ends, and we spent the entire offseason with you know, Isaac Rex and Dallin Holker coming back from his mission, talking about how big of a weapon that the tight ends were going to be in this offense, and Dennis, through two games, tight ends have caught three passes for 26 yards. Now, head coach Kalani Satake was asked about that, and he's like, look, the production from that position goes well beyond just catching passes, but how surprised are you that the tight ends have not been more of a weapon inside the offense?
3: I'm actually surprised BYU has tight ends on their roster. I did not know that. <laughs> I, I just assumed there wasn't any tight ends because you don't see them on the field ever. Um, listen, this has been my biggest gripe. And, and there's not a lot to gripe about over the last two games, right? Two Pac-12 wins. I mean, it's been, it's been an unbelievable start to the season. But you have Isaac Rex, who just came off a monster freshman year, the best freshman year in, in the history of BYU football. Twelve tight end or twelve touchdowns, uh, just an absolute beast in the red zone. And then you have Oscar uh, Holker, who number one he wears number thirty two, yes. so he obviously must be a big Jimmer fan. <laughs> I'm also a big Jimmer fan. Um, but a guy who can run like a wide receiver. I mean, you watch him; they, they split him out a lot. He's running all kinds of of deep breaking in routes, digs, all kinds of stuff like that from a wide receiver position out wide. And the dude can run. I mean, he's smooth and he, and he runs like a wide receiver. And to have those two guys on your roster, I think it's a mistake to not get them to ball more. I mean, I, I'm sure you guys watched the Monday Night Football game, Ravens against when well, my Ravens lost in a heartbreaker uh, against the Raiders. And uh, Darren Waller, you know who who I played with for four years, a guy that was was in our tight end room. Um, runs like a wide receiver. I mean, he, he's a big dude and he can move. And they targeted him like 20 times. Yes, I think he only had eight or nine catches, but I mean, they were trying to get that dude the ball because they understand how critical of a matchup that is. If you have a tight end that can run, if you have a tight end that's huge and can go up and has a big catch radius and can make plays in the red zone, that is so difficult for a defense to defend. And I think BYU, if they want to take the next step forward in in their offensive evolution, which I think they need to do because this is a very good offense. And listen, we can, we can ground and pound all day. And Jaron's smart with the football, but this is not an offense yet. That has proven they can put up 30, 40, 50 points in a game um, and and be that electric offense. If they want to get to that point, well, we're going to have to start throwing and getting these, these tight ends involved in my opinion. And so, to have two quality tight ends like that, and these dudes are good tight ends, I think we have to find a way to get them more involved, and that will be kind of the next step in this offensive evolution as, as we see the season unfold.
1: Dennis Pitta with us on BYU Sports Nation, Super Bowl champion, former BYU and NFL standout tight end. And just maybe BYU needs to implement the tight end more to get off to a 3-0 and start with a win over Arizona State. You live essentially in the heart of Sun Devil Country, Dennis. So, what's the vibe around Arizona State football right now as they come into BYU?
3: Um, yeah, I, I have a lot of annoying ASU fans around me. Unfortunately, <laughs> um, a couple of good friends that are ASU alums, and I have to hear a lot about their team. And they they feel good about their team. They think they're pretty good. And listen, they with Herm Edwards and this staff, they've had a couple good years of recruiting. They've uh, they've got a lot of of, of high recruits, a lot of high ranked guys and a lot of really good skilled position players. I mean, they've got receivers, they've got a quarterback that's, that's, you know, got some experience and a guy that can really move and hurt you with his legs as well. And so this is a team that I think is going to be able to put up a lot of points. This is an offense that BYU will be facing. That's better than any offense they've faced so far. Um, and, and that's just a fact. So I think BYU's key to winning in this game is obviously you have to dominate the line of scrimmage once again. That's a key to winning in any football game. But if you can run the football effectively against Arizona State and keep their offense off the field as much as you possibly can, I think that's a a formula for success in this Saturday's game. And so um, I think BYU can do it, to be completely honest. I think they have a better matchup inside the trenches, offensively and defensively. And so if they can dominate there like they showed the last two weeks, which is the reason they beat Utah last week. Um, you know, I, I think we come away with this one. And so I, I like our chances. I think we're a better football team overall. I think we're more disciplined. I think um, the way our guys are playing right now is phenomenal. And uh, I'm excited to watch this game. So now that BYU is in the Big
2: 12, apparently everything retroactively just transfers over. So you can start referring to yourself as Big 12 tight end, Dennis Pitta. Uh, how how yeah, big is I've, this? How much of a I, game changer? I didn't
3: play in the Big 12? You're a Big 12 didn't legend. Have, you're Dennis? a Big 12
2: legend. I mean, you're going in yeah, the record that's books. What I so how right. big of a game changer is this for BYU?
3: Oh, it's massive. I mean, it's huge. Um, you know, what's funny is I, I, I still will go back every now and then and watch some of our games the tv copies of our games <laughs> in the mountain west conference and i can barely make out like certain players i mean the the it's so fuzzy it's like all pixelated and the quality of of the television broadcast is just not where it is today and so i mean you feel like you played in like the 1950s yeah <laughs> when you go back and watch some of those mountain west conference games on the mountain and to, to see where we were at that point, And listen, we had some really good teams during that stretch, but, but little national notoriety or national exposure on the mountain to now where we're at in the big 12. I mean, it is, it is light years ahead of where we were. And so if we can put together, uh, you know, some good seasons over the next couple of years, I mean, our national exposure and our recognition is going to go through the roof and, you know, fortunately, we're, we're able to be on a platform now that helps us in in every facet of our uh, of our sports programs. I mean, and it's not just football. You look at basketball. That's the best basketball conference in the whole country. I mean, how awesome is it going to be when we sit there and we watch Kansas come into Provo and play in the Marriott Center or we watch Baylor, the defending champions come in? I, I mean, it is a powerful basketball conference. And so from a football standpoint, it's unbelievable. Recruiting standpoint, now you add legitimacy and, and validation. I butchered that word legitimacy. Okay. I can't le- even say it. Legiti- legitimacy. Le- le- legitimacy. Thank you, Spencer. You're welcome. And I'm so glad Jaron wasn't here to see that. Jaron, <laughs> Jaron, whatever his name is. I still don't know his name. But, um, you know, it, it adds validation. To, to the message that we're a big time football program. And listen, now we are, we're in the big 12. We're in a power conference. And, uh, you know, however this thing shakes out with realignment across the country. Um, I think we're well positioned.
1: Everyone don't forget he's undefeated helping BYU football win. When he runs out the flag, he was also pretty good as a player. And he's a big 12 legend threat. Right? Dennis Pitta. Of course we had time for you today, my friend. Thanks for uh, hanging out with us.
3: Thank you guys. I appreciate it. Um, did you guys happen to see what Jeremy? Jerum? Jerome is it with <laughs> the name? Jerome posted. Actually. Jerome? Okay, good. That's what I thought. Um, he was walking behind a guy who was wearing my jersey uh-huh. on campus. Uh-huh. I love that. That made me really, really happy. <laughs> and just, just to have to see my name. <laughs> You know, from time to time, it, I'm, I'm sure it cuts him deep. So
2: you live rent free in but his we, head. En-
3: enough about Jerome. <laughs> we don't care about him. Out of sight, out of mind. So it's been a pleasure, guys. I, I appreciate you having me on. You got it, Thanks, Dennis, Dennis Pitta,
1: with us on BYU Sports Nation, the Big Twelve Legend. Great as always.
2: Yes. Love talking with Dennis Pitta. All right, coming up, Deep Blue with Chaz Ayu.
1: And Dennis just addressed it. Should we be concerned with the lack of production from the BYU tight ends? We're making a bigger deal out of it than it really is. This is BYU Sports
0: Nation. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Visible Supply Chain Management. Tomorrow, it's a Top 15 Clash featuring 15th-ranked
2: BYU Women's Volleyball hosting 10th-ranked Utah. Oh, yeah. Watch it live on BYU TV at 9 Eastern or on the Brigham Young University television application.
1: He is Jason. I am Spencer. This is BYU Sports Nation to interact with the show and get great content throughout the day. It's easy. Follow us on our social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. Let's whip it. Cougar Whip Round presented by Visible Supply Chain Management tackling America's most challenging shipping problems.
2: All right. Dennis was talking about this a minute ago. Are you concerned with the lack of production from the BYU tight ends?
1: No, it's been two games and two wins for BYU. And I believe in Aaron Roderick and his ability to get the tight ends involved. I'm not worried at this point. Ask me four or five games in if this trend continues. Then I'll be concerned it's two games.
2: Yeah, BYU is 2-0. Oh, I have no issue with with the way things have gone so far, it has worked out. I'm with you. If we get to the middle of the season and there hasn't been any production, yeah. then may, then maybe you start to wonder a little bit. But, but
1: right now, I'm not concerned, no. How good were the Manning brothers on Monday night with that broadcast? Fantastic. Which brings up this question. Which former BYU players would you like to see do a Manning brothers-style broadcast? Okay, one was immediate. Jay Swag Daddy was number one. And then
2: I thought, who would be great to pair with him? I came up with Ty Detmer okay and
1: Jamal Williams. I would en- I would enjoy that combo. The comedy act. I just want to hear Jamal call him <laughs> Big Belly again. Hey Big Belly. What about you? Uh John Beck needs to be involved, Jason. Okay. Just from a purely like understanding the game's like dynamic, I would love to have John Beck and probably Dennis Pitta. Like I think John Beck and Dennis Pitta would be fantastic. Dennis has got a great sense of humor. You oh, yeah. just heard it. Uh, coupled with the expertise of John seeing the game as a quarterback and a guy that's training at the highest level, I like those guys.
2: In his latest Bracketology, uh, Mr. Joe Linardi uh, has BYU now as a 12 seed and the last team getting an uh, opening round bye. Will you take that right now?
1: Yes, anytime BYU is in the tournament, no questions no questions asked and they have a bye, yes, I would take that. 12 seed, whatever. And guess what? They'd be, they'd be playing a five seed. Where do the upsets always happen? 12-5. The 12-5 game. Yes, I would take it. Uh, I'm not
2: taking it because I think BYU can and will be better than that. So I'm not going to give in now because I think BYU will exceed that. Sure,
1: I think they will too. But UCLA was an 11 seed last year, Jason, and they got to the final four. I think seedings. Uh, We all remember. Like, man, it just feels like seedings are all over the map now, hard to really gauge. If you're playing good basketball going into the tournament, who cares? Like, just be playing good basketball. I don't care what seed you are. How many points per game, speaking of basketball, will the great Jimmy Fredette average this year in Chinese? Coming up uh, yes. his last season where he was 37 a game. He will
2: average a Dennis Pitta worth of points, 32. 32? See, I'm going 32 with Dennis.
1: I like that answer. Uh, I think just a hair under what he was averaging, like 35, because he's going to share the ball more. He'll attract more attention. And he'll raise his assist per game average, Jason. So 35 a game, which is still good enough to be an all-star in China. Yes. All
2: right. We referenced this at the beginning of the show. You received a picture of a BYU fan and a Utah fan in the Dumbo ride Shout together. Shout out to my guy, Chris Passy, for sending me the picture. Okay. So, so playing off of that, which Disneyland ride would you be willing
1: to ride with a
2: Utah fan?
1: I think I would do pretty much any ride alongside a Utah fan at Disneyland. Other than the kiddie land rides. Like, I don't know if I could do Dumbo. Okay. And I definitely couldn't do It's a Small World After All. Like, I could not do that. It's like the combination of
2: the song and being with a Utah fan in yeah, the it's boat. Like, it's like, too much. Too Look, much negative emotion happening. This there. one is very easy for me. Number one, Space Mountain is my favorite ride. So I would get on that just so that I could ride Space Mountain. Number two... It's in the dark. You don't have to see him.
1: Okay. So okay. that's why. I'm going to go Space Mountain. Yeah, sure. Sure. Like I said, any ride, any adult ride <laughs> at Disneyland. Okay. Roller coaster. Oh, you don't want
2: to a- go on, uh, like, uh, I don't think it's called Goofy's Go Coaster anymore. You know, but, uh, Don't
1: make me ride Peter Pan or Snow White or anything with Utah Pan. Those rides are creepy anyway. Peter
2: Pan is amazing. I love Peter Pan.
1: Okay. Uh, apparently, uh, Chris has sent in another photo. And, and I'm a little scared. Oh, boy. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Jason, in, Jason and I uh, behind in, our friends. Who's in charge of the controls? Together of- as BYU fans on the Dumbo ride.
2: Like, uh, But here's the thing. The only, the only thing that would be different is we would make sure that our Dumbo that we got in had the blue hat.
1: Yeah. <laughs> we would find
2: the blue hat. We would kick people out. No no no, 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 no. That's ours. That is ours.
1: Hey, kid, get out of the seat. I'm I'm in the dumbo with the blue hack. <sighs> All right, coming up. 70 years old and still a crazed BYU fan. And the up and down, incredible journey of Chaz Ayu over the last year plus, featured in deep blue. You don't want to miss it. This is BYU Sports Nation.
0: BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere.
2: 18th-ranked BYU women's soccer hosting Idaho State tomorrow at South Field. Watch the match live at 9 Eastern on the BYU-TV app.
1: One of five ranked teams on campus at BYU. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation. Live from Studio B, we now turn our attention to Deep Blue. BYU safety Chaz Ayu has, in the phrase, been through a significant amount of adversity. With injuries and, perhaps more importantly, the pursuit of identity, finding that has indeed been a journey. This is Deep Blue featuring Chaz Ayu, presented by Brady Industries' Simply
4: Better. I'm here to dominate. You know, I don't like to leave any room for for doubt. And so when I'm on the field, it's just a very intense, aggressive, in-your-face type of guy.
5: He's there to win. And he always has been that way since he started football.
4: We always need some leaders like that that just will push
1: right to the very edge of almost being disrespectful. But... Um, I think it comes from a place of if we, as a group of men, know what another guy's
4: goals are and aspirations, then it's appropriate to push. And sometimes it's uncomfortable, but you don't become a good football team without some discomfort. And then, as soon as I'm off the field, leaving the game, I'm right back into my show. Just quiet. Just go right to my family and go home. So,
6: Chaz, by nature, is a nurturer. He loves people, he loves, the, he's a champion for the underdog. Uh, always been like that.
4: So we were both adopted, both me and my sister.
5: People, they'll look at us and I'm just like, hey, our family's a Mutt family, we accept any and all.
4: I grew up in a, a dominant white community. But as he grew older, he started to
6: realize, you know what, I'm, I'm adopted. And I have another side where his biological father was black and his biological mother was, was Caucasian. And trying to fit in into who he is.
4: I wasn't really accepted by a certain group. You know, I was friends with them, but none of them would say, oh, yeah, he's this or that, you know? So it was, to me, it was kind of just, I could call myself a football player and they could say, oh, yeah, that's my teammate. I play football with him.
5: May 2020 for Mother's Day. I had felt it for a little while. It was a couple of weeks. I just felt this intense spirit to needing to connect him with his birth mom and with his birth family so that he can figure out who he is and he can be comfortable with who he is.
6: And she says, you know what, I really feel inspired that we need to give your biological mothers, both your mothers, a uh, a Mother's Day gift.
5: And I think that started opening up the way for him to be okay with who he is. And really, no matter where he comes from or who he comes from, he's loved
4: think now for me what I found is I can say with confidence that I'm a half black, half white man that was raised by Polynesians, and I claim the Polynesian side as well, the Samoan and Hawaiian. It seems pretty simple to put it like that, but for so long it never made any sense to me, and so with that discovery, you know, it brought a whole new confidence to who I am and something that I can back up and really claim myself, and I think that was the biggest thing was just being able to claim myself for who I was instead of reaching out to find Other areas that I could fit in?
5: Struggling with his identity, trying to figure out who he is, and then mental health challenges with depression, anxiety, and ADHD. And then we have surgery, shoulder surgery. We have coming home from the mission. We have being falsely arrested.
6: February 2020 was a life-changing event in his life. Got pulled over coming on the way home from church. He got arrested for DUI. It was public news, it hit all over. ESPN, every station, it was on the paper. Everyone knew about it, heard about it, found out about it.
4: That That one really hurt because of, you know, being in my hometown community, playing for a religious school, and then you throw DUI on top of that, and it's like, nah, that's not a hometown hero. That's not a, that's not someone that we want to represent us, you know? I think for me, the biggest part of that was just being able to accept whether the reality was fair or not, what my reality was at the time. And having to sit behind it, can't say anything, can't expose nothing. You know, I just have to sit there and take it. Let people believe um, what was being spread on social media. And that really took a big hit on me mentally. District
6: Attorney ended up throwing out everything, saying there's zero evidence, no evidence at all. But it it's too late. His name was already out there. He got judged one way or the other. You know, you automatically assume.
5: It was a heavy burden. I remember him struggling one day. And he called me, he's like, Mom, I'm really struggling. I'm at work, I go into the bathroom and I say a prayer. Holy Father, you know this kid better than I do. He's your son. You've gotta help me. You've gotta help me help him. I'll listen, you just gotta tell me. And so the words that came to my mind were musubi and medicine. He hadn't been eating well. He was in this depression and this sadness and just all the burden that was placed on him. And, and I think that was one of the starts to getting the help that he needed and him being okay. Something clicked with him like, I'm not okay, I need help.
6: Um, yeah, that arrest coupled with his surgeries and not being able to practice and managing his, his, his mental health, um, with the academics really put him in a dark space that really with with all the social injustice that just continually to show up was a trigger for him Watching him cry and I could tell there was so much anguish and suffering in him. I had no idea How dark and of a hole he was in you know um, To a point where the thoughts of suicide cross his mind you know, We'd have a different conversation Right now, if that were to take place, I don't know where I'd be if I lose my son or my daughter or anybody of that nature.
0: I think a lot of people didn't know that he was in that that dark place. I think that's where a lot of people started to realize that maybe if we think outwardly a little bit more and try to not just assume that people are doing well because of football or because of uh, school or whatever it is, that that people will still struggle even though things look on the surface like they're they're doing well.
4: You know, those last six months of 2020, I was just in the worst place I've been ever in my life. And, you know, thank God that I have a family and the support that they were able to give me. And looking back at it, I'm beyond grateful for what I've gone through in this last year and a half. As it's built my character, it's, it's built everything in me. I feel resilient to anything now, anything that's placed in front of me.
5: I love you, son. I just think the world of you.
4: I'm very honored to be your father, son.
5: You keep going. You keep trying. You keep persevering. You keep loving and being kind to people because you will be able to help the people that God needs you to help.
6: I live my life a lot of times through you and the things that you do. And I don't think you recognize um, all the goodness, all the good that you bring.
5: And we'll be here 100% all along the way. Love you, Chaz.
1: Another emotional, moving, deep blue piece. And uh, we're so grateful that Chaz is still a member of the BYU football team, that he's fighting through that adversity, uh, through the anxiety, through the depression. And Jason, not only that, it's tough because a lot of guys might admit they have mental health issues and then they kind of fade to the back and people question, well, why'd you admit that? Because... He's now competing and making a difference. Like, he's he's doing some really tough things, and he's still competing at the highest level.
2: I love the deep blue features, and one of the biggest reasons that I love them, beyond just getting to know these players better, I learn something every time. And um, I did not know that Chaz was adopted. I, I did not know that that was part of his history. So I, I love the story, but I, I love the idea of these deep blues to let people understand and get to know players on a completely different level.
1: All right. Feelings are good in Studio B. Let's keep it rolling. That's right. Coming up, our elite voice of the day. And a rise and shout out to someone who gives us all life goals. This is BYU Sports Nation.
0: This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics.
1: BYU Sports Station, always available on demand via the BYU TV and BYU radio apps. You can also download the podcast. Just Google BYU Sports Station podcast, subscribe, rate, and review the show while you're there. So many great pictures, most taken by... uh, I love that shot. That is fantastic. BYU photo, they did an incredible job. Our question of the day, what is the toughest game left on BYU's football schedule? At Old School BYU on Twitter says, it's always the next one. Otherwise, you'll get trapped. Ames Flames also uh, adds her opinion on Twitter. Don't drink the poison. Last year, BYU's closest game that resulted in a win was UTSA. Yep. You never know. Stay humble. Stay hungry. That's why I said, until you get to the end of the season, you truly don't know what your toughest game was. It's when you look back with perspective that you know. Are you lead voice of the day presented by Sundance Mountain Resort? Love this response. From Matt, BYU Uniforms. BYU's New Year's Six Bowl. Blue nice. Alert. Okay. Blue alert. All right. Blue Today's alert. Rise and Blue Shout Out presented alert. by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. And it goes to this fabulous 70 years young grandma dancing after the BYU. She's 70. She stormed the field. Flew in from Kentucky to do it. This is from at Mac underscore jazz. Said, you guys, my 70-year-old mom. She flew from Kentucky for the game. This is fantastic. Jason, I want to be that person when I'm 70, storming the field, and uh, living my life to the fullest. I want
2: to be that person at my age now. Right? <laughs> you wanted to storm the field, didn't you? I kind of did. I was, I was in the booth behind the glass. I couldn't go anywhere. <laughs> so That is fantastic. Our thanks to today's guest, Dennis Pitta. Conversation continues 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Always use hashtag BYUSN.
1: For Jason, the Disneyland ride expert, I am Spencer. Shout out to Jared Lee, who was on the last BYU team to beat a ranked Arizona State opponent. See you tomorrow on BYU Sports Nation. Go Cougs! Go ride Dumbo. Okay.